The real ministers of the churches today are called from heaven by Jesus and taught by Jesus how to do the ministry to which they are called. For there are ministers of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, you may have been taught at your church group that there are no apostles or prophets in the churches today. I want you to please listen to this scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, start at verse 8. For by the scriptures we prove the doctrine. Verse 8. When Jesus ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Verse 11. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. This is from heaven. After he ascended, Jesus gives ministers to the church today. It's like Paul. How did Jesus call Paul to be a minister. Paul didn't see an image of Jesus. He heard a voice from heaven. And that's exactly what happens to us today when we have a call of God on our lives. God might communicate with us in different ways, but it is God doing it when we have a call of God on our life, and it is God who will teach us what to do. Now, some people put themselves in the ministry. A great many people do that without having a call of God. They have sort of a desire to help people. And they go to Bible college to be a minister. And they are ordained by men, but not by God. It's a big difference between being ordained by God to be a minister and being ordained by a theology college. After I was born again, I was taken into heaven in the night, transported into heaven. I knew I was with God. I was with Christ. I was with the Holy Spirit. I saw no images. It was a spiritual experience. And at that time, I was merged into the body of Jesus, made one with the Word of God, God and the Holy Spirit witnessing. When this happened to me, I was a new Christian, and I thought this happened to everyone who was born again. I didn't have any idea that it didn't happen to everyone. A few nights later, the exact same thing happened to me again. I was taken into heaven. I was with God. I was with Christ. I was with the Holy Spirit. I was made one with the Word of God. God and the Holy Spirit witnessing. I was on fire after that. I owned a business so I could just stay home all day and read the Bible. I had three very competent women who worked for me and they could run the business. They didn't need me except to do appraisals. So I could stay home and read the Bible. I could go to prayer groups. I could go to churches where they were having daily meetings. 
That's all I wanted to do. I didn't care anything about my business anymore. The only thing I cared about was the Word of God and the church. I didn't know a call of God was on my life, even though I'd had this tremendous experience twice. All this time, by the way, God is teaching me from the Bible. He is preparing me to be a minister. He's taking me to every scripture in the Bible that deals with prophets. There was a call of God on my life as a prophet. He gave me spiritual gifts, which caused the churches to identify that the hand of God was on me because he gave me word of knowledge. He gave me these spiritual gifts, gift of exhortation. And when I exercised that gift in the prayer groups or in the Bible classes, they all knew I was of God and frequently told me, the hand of God is on you. I was at that time dating a man who worked for a Christian book publisher. He worked for the Ravel Publishing that published Dale Evans Rogers' books, and Dale came to town to do a book promotion of one of her new books. Bob was probably not born again. I was on fire for things of God. I think he was concerned about being with Dale because he had to take her all over town and to all these places where she was to appear in public. So Bob wanted me to go with him everywhere he went because he thought Dale would relate to me, which she did very strongly. One night we were taking Dale back to her hotel. It's the last time I ever saw her. And Bob was walking her to the door of the hotel. When she turned around and came back to the car, and she said to me, Joan, I don't know how I know this, but God is going to mightily use you but you are really going to have to stay very close to him. That's exactly, of course, what happened. From the pulpit, our pastor one Sunday said, this was at Word of Faith, Robert Tilton was the pastor. I'd never told anybody that I thought I was being trained to be a prophet, trained by God. I'd never told anybody. From the pulpit, Robert Tilton said, Joan is not called to be a teacher. She's a prophetess. The teacher of our Bible class said, That's it. That's it. Because he had many times started to announce to the Bible class that I was a teacher called by God. But he had a check in his spirit, he said. And he knew that it, that was slightly wrong. So many times in his classes, I would have word of knowledge and give those words of knowledge. When you are called by God, others see that calling because of the gifts you've been given, the spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that you have been given. And when you are in a Bible class or a prayer group or a small meeting and there is an opportunity given 
to exercise prophecy or word of knowledge or word of wisdom or one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and you have been given that gift and have a word from God, you present it, and that confirms your calling. The group sees that this is something different. The hand of God is on you. Well, I have no idea how Bob knew this unless God told him because I had certainly not told anyone, even my teacher in my Bible class who saw me do all of these gifts of the Holy Spirit. Even he didn't know exactly what my calling was. He knew I was called of God, but he didn't know I was called as a prophet. But I knew because God had taken me to every scripture in the Bible to show me what prophets do and to show me what to expect. But one day I was riding along the road and God began to speak to me by his spirit and said, I have called you and set you in the body of Christ as an apostle. Well, I was shocked. I said, apostle? What's that? Well, the church I was attending at the time, Word of Faith, professed to believe Ephesians 4, where Jesus said in the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the work of the ministry. But I had never heard anyone at Word of Faith say they were an apostle. I had never heard anyone identified as an apostle. There were several who were prophets. Well, I say several. I know at least one woman, Ava, said she was a prophet. I think the pastor's wife might have been. But no one was ever identified as an apostle. Now, I didn't tell anyone at Word of Faith that I'd heard this about myself. But I did go to our Bible teacher, to my Bible teacher at Word of Faith, and I said to him, Who are the apostles at this church? Because they professed to believe there were apostles. Who are they? He said, well, I don't know. I said, well, what do they do in the church? He said, I don't know. God began teaching me what apostles do, and primarily what God taught me is that you're always working with church doctrine. You are trying to get the churches to heed the doctrine of the Bible. I do that constantly. Divorce, remarriage, homosexual, lesbians, elders, how they're set up. I'm always talking about church doctrine. And that's what God showed me they do, apostles do. He took me to Acts chapter 15, if anyone out there believes you're called as an apostle. He took me to Acts 15 to show me what was going on when the elders came together and the the apostles came together to set church doctrine for the Gentiles. Basically, apostles work in church doctrine. Questions come up. Can the divorced woman remarry? Can she be remarried? This is always coming up. You go to the Bible. You try to show these people those scriptures. And every one of the scriptures are in agreement with each other. If the woman who has a husband divorces and remarries, she is called an adulteress. 
I can show you one scripture to that effect. I can show you several scriptures to that effect. And none of the scriptures say anything but this. One scripture in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 10. Paul says it's a commandment of the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband. But, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled with her husband and let not the husband put away his wife. Matthew 5.32 If the man divorces a faithful wife and she remarries, she will commit adultery, but he will be the cause of her adultery. We had a man in our church group who filed divorce papers against his wife in the U.S. courts. When I heard about it, I called him and I said, was she unfaithful to you? And he said, no. And I said, the only scriptural reason to divorce your wife is if she's been unfaithful. And I gave him Matthew 5.32. Apparently, he looked into it very seriously, and he removed the divorce proceedings from the U.S. courts. Matthew 5.32, Jesus says, But I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, divorce his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her, that is divorced, committeth adultery. I'm always working with church doctrine. That's what apostles do in the New Testament church. I'm always working by telling you on podcast or in the blog these scriptures and by telling individuals. One woman in our church group wanted to remarry after divorce. She took her fiancé to a pastor. I didn't know her at this time that she did this. I met her later. They went to this pastor, and she said, I am divorced and want to remarry. And he says, oh, I see no problem with that. My sister is divorced and remarried. So she remarried after being divorced. And years later, she was born again. And she read all the scriptures on the subject of divorce and remarriage and agreed with the scriptures and knew that when she remarried, she committed adultery after having been divorced. And she was so angry at this pastor because he did not tell her this. She had a holy Bible. She could look it up herself. It's pretty easy to look up the subject of divorce in a Bible. So she could have looked it up instead of going to a pastor, which is really what you should do is look it up in the Bible. You have a rule book. Mark 10, the Pharisees came to Jesus, verse 2, and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife, tempting him? 
And he, Jesus, answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart, Moses wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Verse 8, And they twain shall be one flesh. How do you become one flesh? The Apostle Paul tells us this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul is speaking to the men of the congregation, and he says, verse 15, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the member of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Even if you have sex with a prostitute, you become one flesh, Paul is saying. At the time of sexual intercourse, the two people become one flesh. How can a divorce paper separate that one flesh? Basically, it can't. So you go out and have sex with multiple people. There is a fragmentation of some kind that's a severe penalty. Because Paul says, Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. And now we hear that if the divorced woman remarries, she commits adultery. And the man who marries her commits adultery. This is what the Bible teaches. You're not separated by divorce paper from being one flesh. So truly it is until death do you part. Because God causes you to be one flesh at the time of sexual intercourse, even if you have sex with a prostitute, you're one flesh. So it's an extremely serious matter. In the Old Testament, when the servant of Abraham brought the woman to his son Isaac, his mother had died, Sarah had died, and it says that Isaac took her into Sarah's tent to be his wife, and she comforted him. This is an example of becoming one flesh. It's not a marriage ceremony that makes you one flesh, although you do swear an oath before God, and that is a problem if you're going to divorce later. The only thing that justifies a man to divorce his wife is 
if she is unfaithful to him. Matthew chapter 5 verse 32. As for the woman, there is no justification for you to divorce and remarry. I believe it's because of this God was going to keep the seed of that woman pure. She carries the child. That's my opinion as to the situation. But I do know from the scriptures, the commandment of the Lord is, let not the wife depart from her husband, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. That is 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 and 11. And also the Romans passage, which says that if she remarries, she'll be called an adulteress. If she remarries with a living husband, she shall be called an adulteress. That's in verse 3. And we have the passage in Mark 10. From the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And they twain shall be one flesh, so then they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And in the house his disciples ask him again of the same matter. And he saith unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another, committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. Mark 10, that's verses 11-12. The scriptures line up on this subject. And you can read these scriptures for yourself, which I advise you to do. Many, many, many pastors and churches and People will tell you that you can divorce and remarry. But what do the scriptures say is the question. For that's what we go by in the New Testament church. Now what I have just demonstrated to you is the work of an apostle. They're going to deal with scripture and try to turn you to the scriptures. And in the end times, apostasy is rampant in church groups where they have cast aside scripture and set up another doctrine. So apostles will come along and really work to turn you as an individual back to the scriptures. John chapter 15, Jesus says, Ye have not chosen me. But I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Those ministers who are called by God are ordained by God, by Jesus, from heaven as he sits in heaven. By his Holy Spirit, you are being taught by him and shown the ministry that you work in and how to work in that ministry. But there are countless numbers of ministers who are not called by God 
who went to Bible school and were ordained as ministers. The Apostle Paul is a very strong example of being called by Jesus from heaven. Paul was persecuting the Christians. He was capturing the Christians, hunting them down and persecuting the followers of Jesus and taking them to the high priest and even consenting unto their death. There are two examples of Paul being called by Jesus. One is in Acts chapter 9. The other is in Acts chapter 26, where Paul is telling King Agrippa the story of him being called by Jesus. I think we'll read both of these because Acts 9 is a little shorter and Acts 26 is more detailed. But both of them show the same thing. He heard a voice from heaven. And this is exactly how ministers are called today, to be set into the churches as ministers. This starts at verse 1 of Acts 9. In those days, Saul, he was called Saul instead of Paul. Later, his name was changed to Paul by God. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter, against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Verse 3, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. The Apostle Paul in Acts 26 is talking to King Agrippa. We'll begin at verse 9. Paul says, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, 
At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And Paul says to Agrippa, Wherefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. Acts 26 They have to replace Judas, who betrayed Jesus. He was one of the twelve apostles, and they have to replace him after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 15, Peter says, Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of his iniquity, and falling down headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, inasmuch as that field is called in their proper tongue, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. Wherefore of these men which have companied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, from the beginning of the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us, that Jesus was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Bersabbath, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whither of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. 
and they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Matthias was the twelfth apostle. So what about Paul? Some churches teach that Paul was the last apostle, but really he was the first of the New Testament apostles, one of the first, that was named by Jesus from heaven in Ephesians chapter 4. Matthias was the twelfth apostle. But Paul, some people didn't think Paul was an apostle at the time he walked on the earth because he defended himself and he said, though you think I'm not an apostle, yet such and such. He defended himself to the people. We know by the scriptures that Paul was showing himself to be an apostle. And when he identified himself to the church in the epistles, what does he say? So often he says, Paul, an apostle of God, not by man, chosen by God. Paul is one of those described in Ephesians 4. When Jesus was in heaven and gave gifts unto men, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Paul is the example of a New Testament apostle, of the churches today. And you can read that in Ephesians chapter 4. And you can read in Acts chapter 1 that it wasn't Paul who replaced Judas, it was Matthias. Matthias was the twelfth apostle. Paul was one of the first of these apostles appointed by Jesus from heaven. And it says in Ephesians 4, And he gave some apostles, multiple, not just one apostle, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the work of the ministry. There are so many false doctrines that get started just because one person thinks he has heard something from God and he knows the truth, or he just thinks in his own mind that he knows the truth. I heard Robert Tilton one time say that he thought pastor and teacher were one office. What about that? It says Jesus gave gifts to the church, some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. I can see why Bob would have reasoned that. But here's what God showed me. In the scriptures, Paul identifies himself as a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher, not a pastor. And to me, this shows that teacher is one of the five offices. You could be a teacher and an apostle. You could be a pastor and teacher. I'm an apostle prophet. So it is a separate calling. Teacher is a separate calling. Along with apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, Bob was wrong about his theory. Because I know the scripture where Paul identified himself as a preacher 
an apostle and a teacher. That scripture is in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Nail those scriptures down that prove your doctrine. Attach them to those scriptures. The Catholic Church for years taught that divorce was wrong. But they didn't nail the scripture down. And as I understand it, they've changed their doctrine now. Nail your doctrine to scriptures. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Paul says in verse 7, Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, and a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. Paul was a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. In 2 Corinthians 11, verse 5, we see how Paul knew some people did not think he was an apostle. There would have been some people at that time who would have said he couldn't be an apostle because he didn't walk with Jesus as the other apostles had walked with Jesus. And Paul says in verse 5, For I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostle. But though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge. But we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. Paul is basically saying, by the work I do, you can see I'm an apostle. But I know that there were some, because I see these scriptures, and I know there were some who didn't think Paul could be an apostle in the day when Paul lived on this earth. Now today, I don't know anyone that doubts that Paul was an apostle. But today, some people are saying, well, there aren't any apostles today. And yet, we do the work of the apostle. If the truth bears apples, it's an apple tree. If you do apostle work, you're an apostle. If you do prophet work, you're a prophet. If you do evangelist work, you're evangelist. We know them by their fruits. There are a great many ministers who don't know what they are. I see that. Some ministers change from one office to the other as they go along. Bob Tilton did that. He started out as an evangelist and then changed to be a, a pastor. Well, you're appointed by Jesus to these offices and you don't change offices. Now, most of them, I think, don't have any idea what they are. And many of them are not of God, and some are of God and don't know. They go by the flesh of man and copy other ministers. But that is not the way of God. When you are a real minister of God, he teaches you. Jesus teaches you by his Spirit. I've had so many ministers contact me from different parts of the world and ask me to be their mentor, their supervisor, teach them. Well, if they're a real minister, Jesus will teach them. Proving your doctrine by the Bible. 
So someone comes to you and says to you, what do you think about homosexuals or lesbians? How do you answer? What does it matter what you think? What does it matter what I think? What matters is what God says. So we say, I believe what God says. And here is what God says about homosexuals and lesbians. And you nail the scripture to your belief. Don't just give them a vague word. Learn this scripture. Romans chapter 1, verses 26, 27, 28. Concerning homosexuals and lesbians. What does the Bible say? Romans chapter 1, verses 26, 27, 28. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, to do those things which are not convenient. One time my cleaning woman came and asked me what I believed concerning homosexuals and lesbians, and I read this scripture to her. She said, but what about those homosexuals who say they were born that way? I didn't have an answer for her at that time, but God gave me an answer later. And it is in Mark chapter 10. From the beginning, God made them male and female. From the beginning, they were made male and female. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections because they did not retain God in their knowledge. So you put those two scriptures together. Romans chapter 1, verse 26 through 28 and Mark chapter 10. But don't be deceived by their doctrine of what they say. Don't be swept away of what homosexual says, of his testimony. Go by the Bible and set your doctrine according to what you read in the Bible. And be able to share with other people when they ask you what God says in the Bible. And Paul says, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind to the Word of God. So we renew our minds to the Bible and are transformed from the doctrines of this world and from the doctrines of the apostate churches. One time I heard that man, who's Pope, on television, and they said, what do you think about homosexuals? And he says, 
Well, I don't see any problem with being a homosexual. And I screamed at the television, what about the Bible? What do you think about divorced women remarrying? What about the Bible? That's always the answer. What does the Bible show us? Share that with them. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.